0: This week on the Colin and Smear podcast, we're talking about Casey Neistat and his return to vlogging. Casey has had a profound impact on YouTube and the format that we now all know as the vlog. Casey's iconic style leveled up the YouTube platform back in 2014 when he first started vlogging. His impact is still felt on the platform today and our YouTube channel, the Colin and Smear channel, even the reason to create that channel was largely influenced by Casey. Casey has recently started uploading again on YouTube in what seems to be a somewhat of a consistent basis. Uh, He's uploaded quite a few videos over the past couple weeks, so Colin and I wanted to talk about his return to the platform, what it means, and what he's meant to our career. We also talk about why his vlogging techniques work, as well as what we think his opportunity is in the future, and ask the question, is there still room for a new vlogger to emerge on YouTube? We talk about the difference between the platform, where it was in 2014 when he first started daily vlogging, and where it is today with the scale and scope of the videos that are coming out on YouTube. This episode is also filmed and put up on our podcast channel. If you wanna go check that out, the link is in the description. You can also just type in the Colin and Samir podcast to YouTube and you'll find our podcast channel. Make sure to subscribe. We're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers on that channel and we're almost there. I think we're at like 7,000 something right now. So it'd be awesome. If you haven't subscribed to that channel, go check it out, subscribe. And we do want this podcast to be a two-way conversation. So even if you're just listening to the podcast here, uh, definitely still go over to the YouTube channel and put your comments in the comment section there. Put any questions you have or thoughts uh, again we want to hear from you guys We want this to be a two-way conversation all right without further ado here is our episode about Casey Neistat and his return to vlogging I very vividly remember walking down Broadway in New York City um, probably around like 2015 2016 um, and walking by Casey's office and and even like when you get close to that area of 368 Broadway, you start to have this sense that you're on a movie set, you know, and you're just like, wow, I'm here. I'm at the set. And that era of Casey's vlog, like it really felt so fantastic and like so like,
1: like magical, especially when you were in New York City and you could like see the things that he was interacting with. It was with. like part movie set, part museum for sure. Like when you pass the dollar pizza place.
0: yeah. Or even the camera store. Remember the camera store next to him? Like, I remember we went in there and I was just like, I I, I couldn't even like understand that this space just existed on a day-to-day. I I mean, I even think like years later when we met Marlon and we went into 368 and like just the way that, like how connected you felt to the world that he built at that time was
1: shocking. And then when we actually got to interact with it, it was strange. But that's his superpower, right? Yeah. Like connecting people to his world uh, and highlighting the mundane in a way that like no one else can. Like talking about the nuances of life. Totally. And the reason I bring that
0: up is because now with Casey's vlog being back, his set is where I grew up and where I live. And uh, it's so strange for me to see him at places that like I grew up as a kid going to, to see him in places like the same coffee shop, the same restaurant that I go to on a regular basis. Um, it's such an interesting experience now to watch the resurgence of the vlog where like the world, I would go visit New York and I I could like see what his world looked like that he was painting in his vlogs. But now I'm like, that's my, like, that's, that's the world I live in.
1: Uh, It's such an interesting experience to see. Last night I was driving up, I think, Centinella or Sotel, and we passed the Johnny's pastrami dip from the video he made three days ago. And I could see the marquee from down the street. And I was like, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he went to eat. And I was like, this is so strange because that's not that far from where I live. I'm sure I've passed that a million times, but mm-hmm. I've never really noticed it. So, um,
0: you know, the reality is we, we wanted to sit down and talk about Casey Neistat's um, new vlog. I think that's what he's calling it. He calls it new vlog, right? Yeah. Which is awesome. It's super cool, um, and of course, it's like a resurgence of him creating video. He's been relatively inconsistent um, over the past year, um, but it's so it's so fun to have him back on the platform. I think, especially at a time when YouTube has become so over, like over the top with the ideas, and the ideas are really good. But I think all pioneered by Mr. Beast and and people like Yes Theory and um, like what it means to make a YouTube video now is is
1: like a totally different it's a totally different era of YouTube than when Casey was vlogging totally. like what the YouTube algorithm wants now is a video that will get someone to click and watch all the way until the end. So you have videos like Mr. Beast will make where he's giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars or doing like real life survivor on an island that he bought. so YouTube has changed drastically in between Casey's vlogging seasons. And what I love is, he comes back and he's like, all right, I see what's happening on YouTube. What if I just make a video about some struggles I had with the DMV website and how it was remedied by a pastrami dip sandwich? How about that, YouTube? And it like still does well.
0: Yeah. I think the amazing thing is he has a dedicated following in the millions of people who are like, I'm here for Casey. Um and I think a lot of the new YouTube era is to, is to capture, you know, of course it's, I mean, it's the media business. It's like we're trying to capture as much attention as possible. Um, but when he was daily vlogging, it was kind of this, it was an evolution of the era of YouTube where it was like, I get, I get kind of a peek into someone's life and I get to go along with them and see what their day-to-day looks like, which was, you know, prior to Casey vlogging, I was watching like Ben Brown and even like Louis Cole who lives here, fun for Louis, um, people who would just kind of like have a point and shoot and bring us along with their days. The editing was, you know, it was like chop out the boring parts, but it wasn't like, you know, like the editing wasn't like a movie. And uh, I think YouTube was such an interesting platform for that to like get a peek into someone's life. Casey made it into like filmmaking about your own life. And I think that point, you and I were working it with, you know, on YouTube. We were working as creators at that time as well. And watching him be able to take something like mowing the lawn and turn it into a cinematic experience that then drove some sort of relatability into everyone's life
1: um, was something that I think inspired where we're sitting today. And like, inspired tons of people yeah. to take to YouTube because everyone was looking at that and thinking, well, I could mow my lawn. I do mow my lawn. Yeah. What if I filmed it like that? And I do other things that are the everyday. What if I filmed them in an interesting way? Would people find that fascinating? Um, it, it's almost like with professional athletes, how some professional athletes are marketed as unattainable. Uh, they're so magnificent that you don't really want to even see what's behind the curtain. Like with like a Michael Jordan. And then you have, and that's maybe like who Mr. Beast is, I guess. Like there there are, you watch a Mr. Beast video and I don't think you think, all right, I'm going to say Logan Paul hundred thousand times. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put a million Orbeez in my backyard. I want to do that. I think some people want to do that. And he's, Mr. Beast has inspired some people to try and make videos like that, but that's much more unattainable, uh, and a little bit, maybe less human understandable. I think Casey, on the other hand, like let so many people into his world and filmed the intricacies and the nuance of life, uh, speaking about like his family or just the community that he's a part of. And that was deemed, I think, received in a way that was, oh, yeah, that's attainable. I could do that. I could film my life. I know we felt that way.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, I, I look back and think about that time and, and what a, uh, what a influence that was on, on even the decision to start the Colin and Samir channel and, and call it Colin and Samir. It was like, Oh, we can make stuff just about us. Um, you know, cause before we were working on YouTube, but it, we, we, we were on camera, but the brand wasn't us. Um, and so I think, I think that, that it's so nice to see him back on the platform, like reg with some regularity, because it's like, he he makes the platform for me feel like what, what the platform is and what I fell in love with, which was just like, oh, you can use filmmaking to connect with people at scale about just your day-to-day life uh, and drive relatability through something as simple as, you know, I, the time, the, the video that I thought was such a cool resurgence of Casey was the soap, because like, that's like a relatable thing. It's like this bar of soap, he made a video but like the opening is like this bar of soap, it keeps falling in a shower and it's annoying. Um, and so he, like, makes this, like, DIY, like, soap dish and tries to, like, tries all these different things to solve the problem. And I think the amount of people, like, you're talking about probably a million people who got invested in, like, the solution to this soap bar. And I don't know really anyone else. I don't know. I don't know that I would watch someone else, <laughs> someone else's interpretation of that. Um, the way that he uses his craft to do it is, again, it's, like, truly what I think YouTube is for me and what I love about YouTube is like people taking something in their everyday life and crafting an unbelievable story about it and engaging a lot of people and creating a conversation like that soap bar thing is a conversation. It's like, he's starting a conversation in the comments. I'd assume in the comments, everyone's like talking about their own experience. Yeah. Like their own experience with it. And so I think the recognition for me that, um, filmmaking is a bridge for conversation and, uh, you know, social media platforms are inherently social. They are a two-way street between the creator and the community. Um, When you bring up something that's so relatable, that transcends language even, like you watch that and you're, you know, you don't even speak English and you're like, I get it. Um, that's That's the thing I love about the fact that Casey's back is that you have on one hand, like, you know, someone buying a private island or Mister Beast back in Private Island,
1: and then on the other hand, someone talking about soap falling in the shower. He reminds you that like the more relatable something is, the more shareable it is, right? And to find something relatable, you don't necessarily have to go to the lengths that some of the YouTube creators are doing right now. Like you can look within the confines of your own home, and he still follows good storytelling principles, right? Like mm-hmm. pretty much every episode is the setup. Here's a problem. Act two. He goes through honest attempts to solve the problem, trying to figure out how to keep this soap staying in his shower on that ledge. And then three, the resolution of what actually happens. How did he end up solving the problem? You see the squirrel? I did see the squirrel. I was amazed that that even happened. (laughs) Yeah. And that it was an opportunity. I don't think I would think to grab my camera. Yeah, I understand how if you're a storyteller uh, and right. you're telling stories about the mundane, that that would be a perfect opportunity, but I would be very concerned. I would be so flustered. I can't believe he had a scammer in his
0: hand for that. But there's a moment in there, um, in that experience, when his daughter says something like, this is so fun, or or something, she says something. I don't know what the line is, um, but it like, it, it like hit me in a certain way of like, his decision to keep that line in from his daughter made the whole thing wrapped into this context of like, this is a, this is a bonding moment between me and my daughter. And again, like the way he film makes around it, like there might be another vlogger who's just like doing it in a way where all you understand is like, that's a, that's crazy. A squirrel's in the house, but the way he covers it and the way he positions it is like, I felt, I walked away from that moment and and I felt like this incredible bonding moment between father and daughter and like a moment that he's captured that will live on forever now that it's captured. And like, I don't know if I'm reading into it too much, but that's what I pulled away from it. And like my desire, the interesting thing is my first desire after watching that was, I hope I'm at home in the middle of the week with my kids to have these types of experiences. And so like, that is a very deep, Entrance into my mind <laughs> through yeah. the filmmaking, uh, and I don't think any other creator can do that. You know,
1: totally. I, th- I think he prioritizes moments over shots, and he has incredible sequences full of beautiful shots and intricate editing. But when you prioritize a moment, something that you won't get back that you can only capture once, like an interaction that he has with his daughter, that has like such an authentic, visceral can create such an authentic visceral reaction. Like those are what makes storytelling priceless, I think, especially in what he does. Mm-hmm. Like capturing those home movie moments that you would never get back. Yeah. That's what elicits that reaction in you. That's like, man, I, I want to capture those moments. Yeah, I don't want, like I want this to be saved. Mm-hmm. You know? For,
0: yeah, but for me, I wasn't thinking I want to capture it. I just want to have that moment. Mm. Like I just, yeah. just want to experience that. Like for me, I was like, oh, it's cool that he's at home. He's not in an office. Like he's, yeah. He's at home, that's cool. One thing I've always really enjoyed about Casey is like uh, his kind of filmmaking, like the the filmmaking influences that he's brought to YouTube. And one of those influences that's probably my favorite is Wes Anderson. Uh, If you don't know Wes Anderson, like we're probably playing some B-roll from Wes Anderson right now because we have to, just so immediately you get this visual style. Symmetrical frames,
1: beautiful colors, Mm -hmm. uh, just incredible sequences. And then there's also these um hyperbolic sequences of
0: of real life where like someone's just like two people are traveling somewhere and like the way that they're going across frame is like at a distance and they're like kind of running across frame and it's just like it's like a hyperbole of what life is but it's this fantasy world that's that's really fun to watch um and it is it's all rooted in real realism it's all rooted in real life but it's painted in a in a in a way that is fantastical and and
1: yeah there's also the monologue mm-hmm. uh, that's true you know like the breaking the fourth wall mm-hmm. monologue that wes anderson has which casey does really well
0: yeah i think those filmmaking influences um are what changed the vlogging uh format for, away from you know here's clips and sequence from my day into here's a movie about my day mm-hmm. yeah
1: know? definitely
0: and I think that's what you realize is the filmmakers who were able to say, here's everyday realism and here is my artistic spin on it. And that's what Casey did with the vlog. Yeah,
1: and even now with his new vlog, it just allows him to get so creative. We always talk about how so many of his vlogs right now open and he doesn't speak to you for maybe a minute and a half right. because it's just an incredible filmmaking sequence. Yeah, uh, The episode where he reviews the new GoPro, the first minute and 20 seconds It's just an incredible sequence of him getting to the table where he's now going to talk about the GoPro. Right.
0: Again, also that table is where I had like a lot of Boy Scouts meetings when I was growing up. It's so strange to me that like his set is just my childhood neighborhood. It's really
1: strange. Do you feel like your turf is like being encroached upon?
0: No, I just (laughs) feel not really actually. I don't feel that way I because like I'm not making that type of video or anything. But um, I just feel it's cool to see... Like I have a sense of pride in his locations that he's filming. You know, it's cool to see
1: his take on this world. Yeah,
0: because I'm like, oh, I never saw my world in this way. I never thought my world would be something that I watch on on camera um, or on on screen. So it's super cool to see. Also, can we talk about how good he is at surfing right now? Like, uh, what's the what? deal? That kind of you know, because we've tried to get good at surfing yeah, and we haven't.
1: It, you know, full transparency, it, it, we haven't tried hard enough. We've been scared off by dolphins from time to time. Oh
0: gonna bring that up on the podcast no, it's true i think we should be
1: honest and let everyone know that there was a time okay yeah when we terrifying though, terrifying the that way, these dolphins were all way, over us dolphins are a lot bigger than you think we screamed and paddled to shore very quickly turned around and realized that none of the other surfers in the water felt that this was something worthy of that type of reaction and we never went back to that break ever again and i don't think we really surfed much after that not much, not much, not much.
0: Yeah, but, but like Casey surfing with like pro surfers and going to these like super expensive
1: wave pools, but then actually catching waves and like and starting to ca- and starting to carve a little bit. Yeah, Surfing's so difficult. It's Getting really good, hard. like going yeah. from zero to one with you have surfing, to be really consistent. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing how West Coast he's become. He started one of his vlogs. Uh, I think it was this week, but he started one of his vlogs by talking to Jesse and being like talking about like the old New York days. And then he turns to Jesse and he goes, you think LA's made us soft? <laughs> and they say, yeah, but it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's my take on him. Like being an LA creator now, it's just strange to see him like, like being d- better at being, being better LA yeah, than you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like being better at being a Angelino than, yeah. than uh, I am. Who's a native Angelino, So, yeah. Anyway, I think like the relatability of the vlogs is so cool because I do think that YouTube has gotten a little unrelatable. Um, In some creators. respects. Yeah. yeah. In some respects. Again, like the, the, the creators
1: that we're watching, there, there's probably a ton of creators that people are watching. I actually think the majority of creators are able to maintain that relatability. Like maybe they, it's a food channel or something, but they still are bringing you behind the scenes of their life and you're still getting a raw look. Yeah. The, the
0: i'm just saying i think like the way the business has gotten so big of creators um that it it reminds me a little bit more of like traditional entertainment and some of these creators are are feeling a little bit more like uh like traditional talent where yeah. they're getting slotted in and bigger companies are getting involved and there's bigger budgets and so like there's more on the line and with that you can't be as you know unapologetically yourself there's a little bit of influence from you know the brands um and right now it feels like I don't know, but it doesn't feel like there's a commercial interest in Casey's vlogging yet. I don't see it. I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe he's building up to something. Um, But that's
1: what's really you don't think
0: like he has a commercial
1: interest in mind? Or I'm saying I I don't think it's the same. I
0: don't think it's the same reason that he started vlogging the last time, where it's like I'm launching a company and I need to engage an audience. Uh, I don't feel the same. Again, who knows? Yeah, who knows?
1: It feels just like artistic expression. Yeah, which is uh, creating pretty freely Mm -hmm. without any restraints.
0: So I wanna bring up one thing that you you brought up, like the concept of uh, we talk, when we worked with athletes, we talked about this a ton, which was the sensational athlete versus the human athlete, right? Which is sensational. Like you mentioned, Michael Jordan, you don't really wanna, you know, it's not beneficial even to peek behind the curtain and make him feel human. He feels superhuman. That makes him more monetizable. That makes it more um, uh, interesting to keep him in, you know, at an arm's distance. He can work with more premium brands. He can, you know, there's like, there's a ton of things you can do with that. And then additionally, uh, the other side is the human element, which we always talked about Jeremy Lin, which is a creator that we worked with, basketball creator who was like the most like, uh, like relatable. He was making YouTube content. He wanted you to know about his life. He was cooking chicken nuggets. He was like, or even
1: what like Matisse is doing now in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's like relatable. Um, The thing that's interesting about Casey is I think, especially when he first started vlogging, he was a mix of both where he was like this superhuman Michael Jordan who had iconography around him, like his sunglasses, the Joby, the boosted board. Like there was, all these, uh, there was all this iconography around the brand of Casey Neistat that made it sensational. But at the same time, the topics were so human. And the reason I bring this up is because when, you, when you're watching a vlogger like that, who's letting you into their life, you feel like as a viewer that you have a relationship with them. Like you kind of feel a sense of, I, I know this person, which kind of messes with your head when you meet them in person. And the first time we met Casey in person was something that was one of the most memorable experiences of my life, primarily because of that, because I walked, I think both of us walked in being like, we know this guy. We had maybe seen him every day for 200 days or 300 days, whatever it was, but he hadn't seen us. And there was a confusion there around like, wait, where does this conversation pick up? Yeah, we're, like, we feel like this conversation picks up yesterday when from where <laughs> yeah, we just yeah, watched yeah. your last day in the life, but you have never seen us ever. And so there's like a mismatch of, uh, of expectations in the conversation. And it kind of caused our first interaction to be really strange and uncomfortable uh, because of our interaction with him. Like the way
1: that we treated Casey yeah. was like an old friend, but- well, it was like an old friend, but an old friend who he had 30 seconds to tell our life story to. Right, right. And then at the end, he was just like... Uh, cool. All right, well, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Luckily, <laughs> I think like... we said everything except for like, thank you for what you do. It's inspires us like, a lot. hey, man, like,
0: love your work. Yeah. Like, there was, there was none of that. It was just like, hey, Casey, we're calling it Samir. We like to do that, this, this yeah. is what we do. And then he was like, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's that's that interesting position where you know, with, with LeBron James, if I met LeBron James, I'm not thinking like I'm picking up on a conversation. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I watch your craft. I'm a fan of your craft. I don't know that much about your life. I have no expectations of how you're going to converse with me, but with a vlogger, you do have those expectations. Cause again, like with a vlogger and with a YouTube creator, what we talk about a lot is that that creator is looking into a lens, you know, if they're daily vlogging back in the day when they're daily vlogging, you're looking at them five, 10, 20 minutes a day. Maybe you're watching two videos. Um, You might be looking into their eyes, watching them, uh, watching their life and listening to their talk with no interruptions for longer than you talk to your mom in a week, right? If you watch them every day, longer Mm -hmm. than you talk to your mom, longer than you talk to your friends, longer than you talk to your brother. Uh, So that means like they technically have one of the deepest relationships with you. And when it comes to marketing, influence, anything like that, I believe that all influence and all marketing happens um, due to word of mouth. There's just things that accelerate word of mouth. And what I mean by that is like, if I tell you to go to a coffee shop or that, hey man, I just tried this great coffee shop. You, I believe that you have just become like 80% more likely to go check out that coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see an advertisement for that coffee shop, you're probably like 20% more likely to go there if, if the ad hits you. Now, if you get both of those, that's when you get 100%. I tell you about it, plus you see the ad, now you're like, I'm in. Uh, and so word of mouth, I think is the most important thing and vloggers uh, and people who are showing you their life and talking to you on camera, they have that word of mouth relationship with you because they are friends with you. So Casey even going to the dollar pizza place probably influenced thousands of people to go get a dollar pizza just because like, my essentially in their mind, the connection is like, my friend gets dollar pizza here or my friend gets juice here or my friend does this thing,
1: but he's not, he's not your friend. He's not your friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, yeah. that was the confusion when we first met him. I think the, the interesting thing too is that if you're watching someone every day Uh, you know, at that time, 10 minutes a day, you're also filling in the gaps of the story in between. Mm. So it's not that you're just listening to them and looking them in the eye for 10 minutes a day. Uh, You're following a story where you're filling in the gaps yourself. Like imagine speaking to your mom every single day for 10 minutes, you'd probably be following some sort of storyline and filling in the gaps until you speak to her next. You know, so you're spending more time than just the time spent watching the video.
0: That's a really good point.
1: I think that's why... um,
0: Vloggers have such a big opportunity. And one person that you and I talk about who is still has that, like, who has that great mix of sensational and human is Emma Chamberlain.
1: Oh, man. Emma so Chamberlain good.
0: has an unbelievable mix because she's on the cover of Vogue or whatever. Like, she's photographed in these high fashion. Magazines. And at the same time, you watch her video and it's unbelievable, re- relatable. Like she's sitting there being like, I have acne. I have, you know, these problems. I'm washing my face this way. Or like, I don't want to do anything today. I don't, it's just like, even me as a 31 year old man watching what she's doing, I don't do the same thing. I don't prep myself for an Instagram photo shoot. But when I watched
1: her video about that, there's things that I can relate to because they're everyday things. I think what she does so well, and you were speaking about this yesterday, is she, Owns the frame. Like she doesn't Mm. need anyone else to be there with her. It can just be the camera and her in her apartment. I think Casey uh, does that really well. Mm -hmm. Owns
0: the frame. Like when he's sitting and looking at you in the eyes with Q&A or anything like that, the frame is his. Like he doesn't have to do any B-roll. He doesn't have to do any editing. And I find that to be difficult.
1: Yeah, I agree. When I sit down with just the camera and myself, I start to second guess. Would I say that? Who am I speaking to? Yeah, we, we... you know, we, I think,
0: are good at hosting, but it's not the primary craft. The craft is like putting together the story, which is pulling source footage, voiceover, graphics, like putting together a story in an engaging way, I think is our craft. With Emma and, and, and Casey, like they have this craft where they actually both have both things where Emma can own a frame, but Emma's also a fantastic editor where she can engage you no matter what. Um, and I think that makes you really dynamic as a creator and K- Casey, you think the same way, but Emma, like what that results in again, like we talked about when it, when someone feels like they're your friend, the opportunity is for serious influence. And Emma now you could see with the way sh- her team and, and her are launching products, like that is the opportunity. When you feel that close to someone, you wanna drink the same coffee as them. You wanna get the same planner as them. You want to live in the same world as them, which is I think why um, in the early days of Casey first starting to vlog, so many people wanted to try and do the Casey thing.
1: Get the boosted board. But, but they didn't know how to
0: interact <laughs> yeah. with it, right? Like he wasn't, he wasn't selling the Casey Neistat starter kit. Um, but like with Emma, there kind of is that roadmap now with business where it's like Emma wakes up every morning, drinks a coffee. There's not a vlog that I've seen where she doesn't have coffee. You so can buy her coffee. You can buy her coffee, right? Emma's now working. She's, she writes in her journal. She writes in her journal. By the Emma Chamberlain By the Emma Chamberlain Planner. Journal. You want to dress like Emma? She's got merch. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's this evolution of creator business where you start to recognize that because the creator feels so similar to someone's friend that... Um, And they have both things. They're aspirational where it's like, I want to live life like this creator and they're human enough for me to be like, I'll listen to them. You know, again, it's different from an actor like George Clooney. Yeah. Do I want to look like George Clooney when I'm older and kind of like be like George Clooney? Yeah, there's an element of that in my mind. But like if George Clooney got on camera right now and was like, buy this, I'm like, "Ah, I don't really have a relationship with you, man. I don't know you, George. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to sell me, man? But different is like Casey, if Casey said something right now, I'd probably be like, I'll think again, about it. 80% more likely probably to go
1: check that out. I think for me, one of the best takeaways of, of watching Casey's resurgence to going daily again, I don't know if that was a sentence. Yep. Was it was? Confirmed. Okay. Sentence. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, is just that it shows me that having a YouTube channel is having a lifetime outlet for expression. That, like you can go away, you can come back. and it may go into all types of different chapters. It may look different, but you still have it to lean on, like even if we were to walk away from this YouTube channel for a year and then come back, like it's still there. You may lose some of the audience, but like it's still your outlet for expression to use the way that you want.:
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's been so refreshing because i I did feel like there was a bit of a void and even my content consumption, like I've enjoyed watching everything else on YouTube, but Um, There's an element to, I think we've, we've always referred to Casey as like the adult in the room. Yeah. And I think there's an element to being like 30 in in our thirties. That's like, it's so cool to see this filmmaker who's also in his thirties, who like had such influence on, on the industry
1: come back and just like make shit. Yeah. And I, for me too, like being from the East coast and living in Los Angeles, a lot of times I find myself like needing an ounce of like realness. Like I want it to rain. It never rains here. It hasn't rained in seven months. It's not going to rain, man. But I need like, it's, it's, it's you know 100 I mean? like,
0: degrees. By the way, guys, it's 100 degrees in LA. Like, it's so hot here. I need rain. I and also, like, what like, rain stands for. Co- what's funny is, again, I'm looking right in the lens right now. Colin has shifted to getting hot coffees now because it's fall, but it's hot outside. It's super it, hot I'm outside. I swear. I'm still more. getting cold coffee. The guy's getting hot coffee, and I can feel in him that he's like, please give me some cold
1: weather. Like, like I need like, seasons. I need I, some realness. And I think Casey's vlog brings a little bit of that. Yeah, for me, like I enjoy that someone in Los Angeles can just talk about like the DMV website is a pain in the ass, right? Like my wife suggested, we go get a pastrami sandwich <laughs> from one of those places that looks yeah. authentic. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah. you would never eat that pastrami sandwich. I, when I grew up, I went there. I, kn- but I know that know place. Know I mean? but no, like, I'm a vegan. Like, in the world I'm, of like marijuana in Venice. I, yeah, I and, think like, Colin really and I have this. Shit.
0: Yeah, Colin and I have this. This. uh We're definitely from different places. Like I grew up 15 minutes from where we're sitting right now. I've been in this my whole life. Like I'm I'm comfortable as a kale eating vegan. And I I really just want like a bagel sandwich with bacon (laughs) and salt, pepper, ketchup and like... I mean, you saw him light up when he ate the McDonald's. Yeah. Everyone saw it. Everyone knew it was like Colin's home. Yeah, I was home a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, so I really connect. (laughs) Um, I think what's interesting is with Casey coming back and the industry being so mature... I would hope that there's ways, like the thing that I craved as a fan of Casey Neistat and a part of his community was ways to to transact and interact with his world. And I think like what we're seeing in the food industry right now is so cool. And Casey being such a guy who I think can can play into like the relatability of food, like you mentioned, like Casey's New York Slice in LA, I think would pop up. Yeah, like sell us a dollar slice. Sell us a dollar slice, partner with, this is what I'm gonna say, Casey uh, partner with Santa Monica pizza kitchen and do like a New York slice delivery. They make a great slice of pizza, do a delivery part, have it on DoorDash or Uber Eats and let me order Casey's New York pizza. Like how you like it. I think that would be really cool. Like a cheese pizza, how you like it. Uh, or even like, is there a way to partner with Joe's in New York city or or something like that? Um, I think that would be really cool. Or even like, you know, green juice or whatever. Like, remember when he used to do those juice cleanses, it's yeah. like, I like, I think people want to interact with the Casey Neistat world. I don't know that maybe he's not interested in that type of stuff at all, but I think with the maturity of the influencer
1: space and the creator space now, there's so many different things he can do. There's so many cool things he can do. Just sell a sweatshirt.
0: And and again, it's all like, for me, it's about cultivate, cultivating community. Like you and I talked that when he was vlogging, had he sold a shirt that said do more in his handwriting, like no question. I'm buying that shirt. I think that's, that's super cool. Um, so I think, uh, What's interesting is like merchandise and all these business opportunities aren't just ways to monetize, but they're actually ways for like the audience to feel that they can connect with each other as a community, cultivate like a connection with the creator without the only other option, which is like try and make a vlog exactly like him or try and put on the sunglasses and like do the thing. Uh, which you don't want he to do. No, you don't want to. Nah, do that. You don't. No, you don't want to do that. I'm just <laughs> saying that that's what a lot of people did. That's what a lot of people did yeah. to connect. Probably us included. I yeah. Think. Us included yeah, to be like, yeah. let's try and create that like style. Yeah. yeah. But there's other ways. Like I do think that I I do think Casey's New York slice would be like super cool uh, out here in L.A., you know, and, and and just like a cool opportunity. I even think when I think back to three, six, eight, that would have been an awesome way to open as like a pizza pop up. Um Anyway, I I have a lot of pizza ideas uh, for for Casey primarily because I remember every time he would eat a dollar slice of pizza in his vlog, I'd be like, I want, I want a slice of pizza now. Yeah. Um, So anyway, the bottom line is like excited that Casey's back. It's super cool that he's in LA. Big dream, big goal uh, would be to have him on this podcast. I think that would be super cool just to chat, um, you know, and like get, get a little bit deeper and understand um, Casey. It's not, it's not every day or it's not in every career that you get to meet someone who had such an influence on the industry and, and, and on your own career. So it would be awesome, Casey, if you're watching. Love to have you on the podcast. And when
1: you do come on, we will pitch you on this dollar pizza idea.
0: Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think we'll also talk East Coast versus West Coast. I'd love that. Colin versus Samir. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, we'd love to hear what you guys think about um, Casey's new vlog, you know, and think about the state of YouTube as well as, it, as it, like, as it relates to the kind of fantastical nature of where YouTube is right now. Yeah, will this new vlog change YouTube again? Is it
1: going to start to bring people back a little bit? Is
0: everybody open to the kind of just daily vlog, you know, or is it only Casey who can kind of, like, is there space for a new vlogger is what I'm saying. Is there space for a new person that you get connected to about their daily life? Or is it now only like Emma and Casey who could do that and for a new person to arise, you have to deliver the world's largest pizza to the hype house. Yeah, that's
1: you know what the I'm question. Saying? Like, is like is if that, you are going to go question. daily and if you're trying to make a career out of it and find success, like, do you have to go to crazy lengths? Yeah, uh, I don't think so. I think there probably is, uh, you know, there are still new formats uh, to be made. But on a, on a daily basis, Yeah. But like, are there like on a weekly basis,
0: just showing me your life? I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe we're off and we don't know about creators who have, who have like come up in the past year who are true lifestyle vloggers. But that is my favorite form of YouTube is like the life vlog. I love the life vlog. Like someone making a smoothie or having a coffee, like, and then eating something and having a conversation with their girlfriend or wife and like, Meeting up with a friend, like that's my favorite type of YouTube.
1: Do you have a desire to make that
0: type? Of course.
1: Oh, yes, you do? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I would love it. But I would I would want it in a way probably where I'm not filming and someone else is filming and I'm just living my life and like like there's an e true Hollywood story being made about me. Does that make
1: sense <laughs> to anyone? I hope that makes that's sense. That's where to this someone. is all leading. That's yeah. what you've always wanted.
0: I've always wanted it. I've told you I think I've been saying this since day one of us working
1: together. You just want people to follow you around with a camera. Yeah. 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 And then cut co- like, content
0: around it. Yeah. And I could I, I can cut a little bit too, but like, and I think
1: that might be my worst nightmare. Right, I
0: think you expressed yeah. that to me. Yeah, when I said, <laughs> "What if we do this?" and you were like, "That." I, was like, like I like, "I a can't have someone disaster. pointing a camera at me at all yeah. times." <laughs> uh, all right, well, we'd love to hear all of your thoughts around this. Um, the resurgence of of lifestyle vlogging is that a thing, or is it just um, reserved for the people who have already built an audience? Um, you know, what do you think about about Casey's new vlog? Uh, do you feel like it's uh, It's, uh, I don't know, just fun to watch. For us, it's super fun to watch. And again, if you're Casey Neistat, uh, would love to have you on the vlog. If you're not Casey Neistat, just subscribe and comment and like. See ya. Did I say vlog? I meant podcast. See ya. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And again, if you haven't already, definitely go check out our podcast channel. Just type in the Colin and Samir podcast to YouTube or click the link in our description. Uh, It would mean a lot to us if you go and you subscribe to that channel. Or if you just want to leave a comment on it, you could do that too. Just head over there. Tell us what you think about the podcast. What type of topics do you want us to cover? And additionally, what guests do you want to see on the podcast? We're starting to book guests to come into our studio and get interviewed, which is one of our favorite things to do. So make sure to check out the channel and stay tuned for more podcasts coming your way. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.